0: Those of you guys who've been in this youth group for a long time, you've heard me teach on dating like a million times at camps, we've done series. It's something that, it's really important to me and usually you guys hear me you know, tell my story about how I met Brooklyn and I'm sure pretty much all of you guys here have heard that a million times. So I was thinking about tonight and I was like, what could I say tonight that would be any different than anything I've said before? And I just asked the Lord to give me a word and uh, he gave me something really simple, um, but I think it's a good place to start for a relationship series and that's based on the idea of identity. What is our identity? So I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and I think that has a lot to say about what our identity is. So 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 1, this is Paul writing. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a bashing gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all mysteries and knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast but I don't have love, I gain nothing. then he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, I think love is something where we grow up with this idea of what it is. You know, we view it in kind of this picture-perfect way, and we can almost form our whole identity around the quest for love. But I think the world is honestly full of a lot of false ideas about love and the world is full of a lot of false identities this is something heavy on my heart i just i look out on our world and i'm not saying this is how all of you guys think this is not an accusation but i do think it's an accurate representation of where our culture is at i think the idea and the identity that culture gives young men and young women is one that's honestly very wrong and that's that men are takers and that women are objects to be taken I think guys grow up thinking, you know, I need to get physical with as many girls as possible. It's almost like they view girls as trophies. I don't know if any of you girls or guys know someone like that. Someone who just views girls as like a conquest, something that they have to get, and maybe they sat around bragging to other guys. You know, I remember when I was in Bible college, uh, I was in my dorm with a bunch of guys who showed up to Bible college to follow Jesus but we were sitting in our dorms and I remember listening to these guys talk about the girls and they started going through all the girls in our semester and basically rating them on their body and appearance. I think because of this false identity of guys as takers, girls grow up with this false identity of thinking that they're objects to be taken. They grow up thinking to get a guy's attention, you know, they need to dress in a way that's provocative or they need to post things online. or or flirt in certain ways where basically the idea is just here I am. I'm just an object to be used. I remember um, watching West Side Story. It's this old play. I love musicals. And it's this story. It's basically this musical set in, I think, New York or something. But it's these two gangs. And it's this white gang and then this Latino gang. And they're fighting and singing and dancing and dance fighting and knife fighting. And it's super weird. But um, one of the, you know, straight... Kind of white guys falls in love with this Mexican girl, uh, Maria, and the families hate each other because back then they were really racist, and so there's all these fighting and things going on. But I remember there was this heartbreaking scene where basically uh, Maria's older sister, she'd seen some hard things, and she'd gone through some really difficult stuff, and she had basically have been in an abusive relationship. And so she's talking to her sister because she's afraid of the path that her sister's going down. And she says this line in one of the songs. She says, you know, Maria, a boy like that wants only one thing. And when he's done, he'll leave you lonely. I think it's so sad that we live in a culture that says our identities have to either be the used or the users. I want to remind you guys tonight that your identity is loved whether you're a guy or a girl here tonight, you are absolutely loved by God. He looks at you and says, you are my masterpiece. Before you were even born, I knew who you were. I knew about all your strengths, and I knew about all your weaknesses. I knew about all your flaws, and I knew about all your accomplishments. He knows the greatest thing about you and the worst thing about you, and all he has to say is, I love you and that I would have died for you if you were the only person on the earth to die for We serve such an amazing God. He he gives us this identity of loved. Whether you're a guy or a girl, you are precious in his sight. You're, You're valuable, you're important, not because of anything that you did, not because of any outward thing, that's the thing. In our lives, we're always trying to prove ourselves. We're always trying to show people that we're valuable. Look what I can do. Look at the music that I can play. Look at how attractive I am or try to be in my pictures. Look at the cool clothes that I have. Look at my stuff that I can afford. We're always trying to prove ourselves to people. Jesus says, you have nothing to prove. I just love you because I made you. That's our identity. It's love. And we're dealing right now with cultural norms that are being thrown at us. Culture says that a lot of things are normal that aren't. And I think in regards to relationship and sex, if I'm just being honest, you guys are living in a culture that's been shaped by pornography, like it has literally um, grown so much since I was a kid where statistics show that guys and girls are exposed to it at younger than 10 years old. And so guys and girls are both seeing these things and watching these things and you don't even have to look for it anymore. Sometimes it just shows up on Instagram and places like that, it pops up and you're like, what is this doing here? And we see it constantly in our culture. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And so we grow up thinking this is normal. And for guys, they grow up thinking this is normal. And for girls, they grow up thinking this is what guys like. It's... Horrifying for me to see that, uh, sexting has become something that's such a cultural norm. That people believe that to, in order to have value, they need to send pictures of themselves in a way where they're showing, they're showing off their bodies, guys and girls, in a way where it's, it's saying, here I am, objectify me. Here I am, look at me, because that's the only way that I think that you'll actually love me. We see, guys and girls on Instagram imitating the models that they see and posting pictures and trying to fit in and trying to look in this way in order to be an object to be desired. Girls grow up with this idea from everything from the movies that they watch to the magazines that they look at in the grocery store. It's this idea that culture is blasting you constantly as you are an object to please a man. And I see constantly in internet culture and in the jokes That we share in the memes that we look at the culture is becoming so much more sexual and the humor is becoming so much more sexual we're basically we're taking this thing that god made this beautiful thing called love this beautiful thing called sex this beautiful thing called relationship and we're basically demeaning it we're bringing it down to this place where we just laugh at it and make fun of it and say who cares who even cares about doing this the right way Even in the sense of the fact that swimsuit sizes continue to get smaller and smaller and smaller and girls continue to buy into the idea that if I'm going to be popular, I need to get into this suit and post these pictures. Uh, I remember uh, today, literally today, I was uh, on Instagram and I went on uh, Captain's Ground Coffee's Instagram really, really popular coffee shop over in Oceanside. And they did this contest where basically they were asking people um, to take pictures of Valentine hearts and whoever took the best picture of one of those, you know, those little candy hearts that have messages. So they said, you know, take a picture of candy hearts and post it. And the one that came up today and the one that won the contest was a little Valentine heart and the message on the heart was send nudes. And I think that is what we're dealing with right now. The cultural standard is if you want to be loved, you have to put yourself out there and objectify yourself and make yourself an object and make yourself something degraded. And I just think, what a sad thing. For people made in the image of God, for people who are made to be loved, not objectified, but truly, deeply known on a level that you don't know anyone else, God has made us for relationships with him and with others, and for many of you, with a husband or a wife one day. But we constantly buy into culture and we sell ourselves short. That whole idea that I was talking about earlier about how guys are takers and girls are objects to be taken, it's such a lie from the enemy. You see, God made man and women for each other. And the whole idea is for them to give to one another in a relationship. It's a constant cycle of giving. It's bending over backwards to say, how can I bless this person today? How can I love them? How can I make them happy? How can I make them feel good? How can I look for the best way I can to just make this a great day for them? And you know what that, you know what that takes? It takes sacrifice. Sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to make someone else feel good. It takes sacrifice to make someone else happy. Oftentimes it means you have to die to yourself, but the world isn't training us to die to ourselves. The world trains us to take and take and take and never give unless we know we are going to get something back. The Bible talks about how man and women are created in the image of God. They're equal in value and they're equally loved. There's no hierarchy system. Yes, there's biblical roles where God uses men and women in different ways in the church and then family, absolutely. But in God's eyes, men and women are equally loved and valued. They're not the used and the users. A good relationship, and that's what you guys are here to learn about a good relationship is one where you are partners, where you are friends, where you partner together in life and say, How can we serve God together with our lives? Not how can we make each other feel good. Not how can we make each other temporarily happy with these things. In life, in a relationship, you will go through good times and hard times. The glue that holds you together is Jesus Christ and asking, will you serve him together with your life? Is your relationship going to be a sacrifice on the altar where it's this relationship is for Jesus and and we love it and it's awesome and it's great, but it's not for us because that fire will burn out. The only relationship that will truly last is the one that's built on Christ. And the problem that we have in culture is we have an idolatry of sex. We idolize it. Our culture distorts and perverts sexuality. With every, and I hope you just don't think I'm some giant prude up here. I've grown up For years in in these cultures and I've seen these things happen I I see now today with almost every music video out there there are sexual themes and images put through in in movies and even in tv shows now I remember talking to some of you guys in junior high about tv shows that you watch and you just so casually tell me about what you're watching and I was like I've never heard of that and I'd go on youtube I'd look it up and it's like sex scenes and I'm like oh my gosh And so I know this is the world that you guys are living in. You've been exposed to these things at a young age. You've been left at home with a computer with no filters. You've been given the remote while mom and dad were out. And so I know for many of you, you've been exposed to these things. And now as a young person, the question is, what do I do with these things? The world is constantly glorifying sex, which that wouldn't be a bad thing if it was the right kind of sex because God made men and women as sexual creatures. They were meant to be together in that way as husband and wife. But here's what the world glorifies. The world says that sex is exciting because it's risky and it's forbidden. Think about any movie or TV show. Do you ever like see people doing sex scenes between a husband and a wife who've been married for years and years? No, the world finds that boring and that would be Disgusting to watch anyway. I don't want to watch anyone do that. Um, That's between a husband and wife. It's wrong for us to watch people do those things, whether it's watching real people through a computer screen or watching actors on a TV show do it. But the problem is that the world says that the reason it's exciting and the reason that you should look forward to it is it's the risk and it's the excitement. It's always the characters who aren't supposed to be together, the ones where the parents said, No, you can't go see that boy. And then the main character girl sneaks out the window and goes and see him, and we sit there thrilling to it because we're like, oh, it's true love. But is it really? Is it really true love? Because think about it. In any relationship, what are you moving towards? What do you desire? A long-term commitment. A true love relationship where you are saying to someone, I will be with you forever. I pledge myself to you. I am with you. That's marriage. And if the world continues to portray the only exciting thing about sex as the risk when you get married that's it's not risky or forbidden anymore and so people lose interest and that's why we see so much divorce is because people grow up with this philosophy that it's the the risk that they're attracted to and that's why we see so many people in dedicated marriages end up getting divorces because they cheat on one another because they were looking for the wrong things the whole time you know what it really comes down to guys it comes down to idolatry Idolatry is when we worship anything above God. When we put anything above his place and his rule in our life. Our culture worships sex. It says to young people, this is the highest pleasure in life that you can achieve. This is the greatest thing you can ever hope to aspire to. Do you know how many people I know who are now my age, 28 years old, who chase down that path and now they're just miserable They're like, oh my gosh, man! I've been with twenty girls, and I like I I hate myself. I hate my life. Like things are terrible. I'm never happy. There, it's always this emptiness, this emptiness, and I feel like there needs to be more. But that's what happens with a culture that worships sex. And it's always been that way. In Jesus's day, um, they had temple prostitutes. So you have people in Israel and Rome. They'd go to these temples. Uh, of foreign gods that were... You had different gods for different things. You had the weather gods. You'd go and you'd burn grain and he'd send rain. But then there was these fertility gods. And so for people... They thought, if I'm gonna get pregnant, if I'm gonna have a good family, I need to go worship the fertility gods and then they'll bless me. So basically they go to these temples and people would sleep with prostitutes. It was actually a problem with early Christians. When Paul went to places like Athens, he's preaching to people and he's converting them to Christianity. And they're like, oh, I wanna follow Jesus, but can I still go to like the temple prostitutes and hang out with them? And Paul's like, no, because we're called to something different, a higher standard. It's not God just being a prude. It's God saying, listen, If you give yourself to everyone around that asks, you are robbing not only your future spouse, but you're robbing yourself of that identity that God has given you. It's the problem that happens when we worship the created and not the creator. That's what really it is. That's where the idolatry comes from. We look at someone else and we worship them. We look at someone else and we worship them. Now, you might think, I've never worshiped another human being. Anytime we sit there looking at pornography or anytime we sit there lusting over someone, what we're doing is basically the same thing as what those people in the temples did. We're worshiping a false god in those moments. It's so sad because sex is a good thing and we pervert it. We change it from what it was meant to be. Something that joins two people together in the greatest love commitment that they can make physically with their bodies. And it's all wrapped up in the other parts of marriage. In marriage, you make the greatest mental commitment to someone. You say, I will think of you only. I will always think of you. I will always, my thoughts will be set on how can I help you? How can I bless you? When you become married, mentally, you give yourself to that person. When you become married, you give yourself to that person emotionally. You make an emotional commitment. Hey, I'm not going to sit around and text other girls and listen to their problems and try to give them advice and become emotionally attached. Like It's just you, babe. I am just going to hear you out and I'm gonna care about your heart and I'm gonna listen to you and when you need to cry, you can cry on my shoulder because I love you so much. That's what marriage looks like. It's commitment. It's lifelong commitment to one person and it's the most beautiful thing you can possibly have with another person on that level and some of you guys have grown up in homes where the marriages have not looked this way so you're like, Aaron, I don't know what you're talking about. I just want you to know that this is what God is calling you to when two people in a marriage follow Jesus together, he leads them to great things. It's so sad. I, I, I've seen girls that I've known on Instagram posting these uh, just selfies of themselves where basically in the comments they're just like, like, why do guys always leave me? Like, why don't they love me? Like, why am I not enough? Why does he always hurt me and then leave? It's because we're seeking after something That's not truly what we were made for. So we have to come back to identity. We need to come back to the identity. It's not about who I think I am. And we all think we're somebody, you know? We all look in the mirror. You might be like me when I was your age. I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm trash. No one would ever love me. Like, who could ever love someone who looked like this? Who could, I I had all these body issues and I just, I, I, I literally looked in the mirror and I saw trash. You might be somebody who, you know, you look and you say, if people are going to love me, I've got to be something else. I've got to change myself. Even though in my heart I'm one way, on the outside, I've got to make myself look more attractive. I've got to put myself out there. I've got to objectify myself so that people will pay attention to me. But listen, it's not about who we think we are. It's about who we were made to be. God has made you for a relationship with him. Do you know That he thinks about you daily? Do you know that when you go through hard times or even minor difficulties, he cares? Do you know that he knows every thought that you think? Yeah, even the terrible ones, and he still is committed to you? Do you know that he has great plans and a great hope and a future for you and your life? And do you know that every time you walk away from him, he doesn't say, well, that was one time too many. I'm done with you. He waits for you to come back and he sends people into your life to say things to you that will remind you of his goodness. He is passionate about you. You are so loved and so valued. And you might think, man, it's so hard to remember that because culture's so bad now. I can't even get on Instagram or Snapchat or the internet or, or TV. I can't even get on the stuff with just, constantly being bombarded with culture and how bad it is yeah it's true but it's not an excuse guys your parents generation struggled with temptation there were things available to them as well and some of you guys know your parents made mistakes or you might not know that your parents made mistakes jesus's generation had prostitutes on every corner The crazy thing is that Jesus loved even the prostitutes. We miss that in the story. We think it's all about being a good person, you know? You gotta be a good person to follow Jesus. When we talk about prostitutes in the New Testament, we think of them as, you know, trash. But Jesus loved them. He spent time with them. When the religious leaders looked and said, how dare you spend time with those prostitutes? Like, you should be hanging out with holy people. Jesus said, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm called to show them the love of God. You need to know if you're here today and you've made mistakes, maybe you might feel that if everyone knew what you've done, what you've looked at on the computer, what you've done with other people, if everyone had a list printed out of every wrong thing you've done, every evil thought, every lustful thought, you might think that people might look at you and, and view you in the same way they did those prostitutes, the way they judged them. You need to know if you've made mistakes, and I think that's all of us, Jesus loves you he says, you're not defined by your mistakes. You're defined by my love for you. That's the identity that you have. And I think that often we're the victim of lies. Lies about our identity. You know, I see girls posting pictures and whether it's just excessive selfies every single day or, or pictures where they're trying to be provocative and try to get guys to notice their body Listen, I don't look at those and say like, oh, the sinners, uh, they're just trying to stumble people. I see them as victims of a sinful culture. My heart breaks when I see stuff like that. (laughs) Like, this is terrible because they're buying into this idea of they have to be this thing that they weren't made to be. I see guys obsessing over their image. I see guys constantly, young guys on Instagram, obsessing over their wealth and their stuff and what they have and trying to appear attractive by those things. I see guys constantly online demeaning girls, writing comments on things where they're just saying the trashiest stuff, just objectifying girls. And I don't look at them either and say, oh, these terrible people. I, 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 my heart breaks for them too because they're believing lies, lies designed by Satan to push us away from truly understanding what love is. Guys, love is, it's Jesus. It starts with Jesus. And for the Christian, our hearts should be set on marriage and loving others, especially if you're called to singleness, just this heart to even, if you know, I can't get married, I'm gonna love everyone around me. I'm gonna give them the love of Christ. The point is, as the church, we're called to one another. We're called to love other people. And marriage is a privilege, Guys, sex is not a given. It's not something where it's um, when you become a boyfriend or girlfriend. Well, now I get this because I'm a boyfriend or I'm a girlfriend. It's something that it's a responsibility and it's a gift from God. And if we think of it as something that we just take because it's ours, we forget who it really belongs to. I see some people who they have tons of options relation-wise. Maybe you know someone like that. Like, they could literally have whoever they wanted in school. Like, they're so popular, they're so good-looking that girls are constantly throwing themselves at the guy, or, or maybe it's a girl. Guys are constantly going after the girl. She could literally have anyone that she wanted. But have you known someone like that and they're never content? Like, they never want to settle down with somebody. They never want to actually have a real relationship. Or others might be like me. When I was your age, I thought I was doomed to be single. And so I was just constantly not content. I was like, I'm miserable. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. Whether you're somebody who has a lot of options but you're not content or someone who feels like you have no options and you're not content, no matter what, if that's you and you're not content, you're not looking to your identity because you're not called to be content in another person. That's the reality. I'm married. I love my wife. She is the most amazing person I've ever met in my life. But I didn't marry her and all my problems went away. I didn't marry her, and I was like, yes, now I've never wanted anything ever again in my life. No, I married her, and I still have a desire for something more, and that can only be filled by Christ. That can only be filled by Jesus. If I try to fill that with anything else, my entire life will just be in a wreck. It's Jesus that does it. I remember when I was your guys' age, I was like 16, and I was really struggling, like really struggling. I liked this one girl from second grade to 10th grade. She wanted nothing to do with me. It was super pathetic. And after I moved on from her, I had like three, uh, three other crushes and they all rejected me and no one went to the school dance with me. And I had literally had girls laugh at me and run away, uh, like literally, ha ha ha, and run. Um, super lame and super hard. And I literally, by my senior year, I mean, this is the short version of the story, but I was heartbroken. Like I literally was like, I'm pathetic and I'm a waste and no one will ever love me and I'm just gonna die alone. Like that's literally how I thought of myself. And I remember God spoke to me and he's like, Aaron, I love you. Your identity is loved by me. Fall in love with me before you fall in love with anyone else. And I needed to hear that because seriously, I was at a point in my life where anytime I went to camp, anytime I went to another church, anytime I talked to a girl, I was like, Potential wife, potential wife, don't screw this up. Oh, I just said something awkward. Like that, that was constantly me, always. And it was literally when I finally said to God, I wanna fall in love with you before I fall in love with anyone else, that he, he ended up putting me on a path that led to my wife. And I'll never be able to thank him enough for that. I think we need to speak truth to our identity Think about this, guys. There's people in your life who need to hear the truth. Here's ways. You have people in your life who are believing false lies about their identity. You've got girls in your life who are believing that they need to be objects. You have guys in your life who believe that they need to be takers. Speak truth to them. Encourage your friends. Share Jesus constantly with them. But I'm already Christian. I know we all need people in our life sharing Jesus with us constantly to realign our minds and put our eyes back on him. Follow him together as a disciple. Steer one another away from those false identities. You know, if if, if you see girls, if you see a friend of yours post a picture that's like clearly her provocatively trying to get attention from guys, don't comment, girl, you fire (laughs) which is like what everyone does, honestly. <laughs> like, talk to her. Be like, hey, listen, I love you. Like, this is not your identity. Like, what you're trying to do here, like the attention you're trying to get, that, that's not you. You're, you're already loved and desired by Jesus. And he wants to bring someone to you that'll fulfill you. You don't need to put yourself out there. Guys, if you see another guy objectifying a girl in real life or online, don't be like, oh yeah, bro, awesome, she's so hot, so good, Dude. No, challenge him to follow Christ. Challenge him to not view a girl that way. Challenge him to view the girl as a daughter of the king. Without Christ, the center of your relationship or your singleness will always be empty. If you don't have Christ, whether you're single or in a relationship, you will be empty. I know some people who are single, and they are thriving for Jesus. They are just going for it. They love him so much, and they point everyone around to him. I know other people who are married, and their marriages are falling apart. So obviously, it's not marriages, or it's not marriage that makes you fulfilled. It's not singleness that makes you feel empty. It's lack of Christ that makes you feel empty, and it's Christ that makes you fulfilled. You can be so fulfilled in your singleness and so fulfilled in your marriage one day, and in your dating relationship, if Christ is the center, without Him, everything feels empty. And just very quickly, I just want to say this actions flow from identity, they do. And those who want a good relationship, you need to let your actions in a relationship. Please listen if you're here today and you're in a relationship, or if you want to be, listen to this part. If you want a good relationship, your actions need to flow from your identity. So we say as guys, you know, I'd do anything for her. I would die for Riley, right? Inside out? No? Anybody? Those clones? Anyway, it's like Riley's imaginary boyfriend who builds the bridge. Anyway, we say that. We say, I would die for her, man. I'd do anything for her. We say to our girlfriends, if you guys have girlfriends, I'd do anything for you, babe. And we think of that in a romantic way. You know, I will buy you anything that my $12 a week allowance can afford. I will go anywhere with you that my mom can drive me to. (laughs) Or if you have a license. I'll try anything with you. Um, I love my wife, and I love trying new things and eating new places and going places. The one thing I won't try is a hot air balloon. Um, She wants me to go on it, and I just am so scared. But pray for me that I can build up the courage. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I mean, it's just so high, and you can't get out. It's like just you're dead. Like if anything happens, like there's no going back. You're, You're dead. Anyway, anyway. But here's the thing, we say I'll buy anything for you, I'll go anywhere for you, I'll try anything for you, but what about I'll honor your parents for you? Like I'm not gonna make this relationship secret, like I'm gonna go meet your mom and dad and I'm gonna let them know my intentions. What about I'm not gonna pressure her to have sex for her? I won't pressure you to have sex for you. I'm not even going to pressure you to make out with me for me, for you. And you might be like, that's crazy, man. I mean, she's my girlfriend, so like I have the right because I earned it because I asked her out once and now I can do all these things. Listen, what's her identity? What's her identity? My girlfriend. No, what's her identity? God's daughter. She's precious and she's valuable. She's not yours. You don't own her and you're called to treat her like that. Your actions need to reflect her identity. What if she's into it? That's what some guys have asked me. Like, what if she wants to have sex? What if she wants to make out? What if she wants to do these things? What if that's what she wants? What's her identity? Daughter of the king. What's your identity? Son of the king. You were made for love, but not cheap thrills. You were made for true love. And when we get into that stuff without Jesus, we are robbing one another of that. You need to realize that, guys. If you push a girl, if you pressure her into getting physical before marriage, you're robbing her of what Jesus has for her and you're robbing yourself. You're saying to her, you're not worth the wait. And guys, or girls, if you're pushing a guy into a relationship, what you're, into a physical relationship, what you're really saying to him is, I don't trust you to stay unless I don't. I've gotta bring you in with this and make sure I lock you down. So I'm gonna put myself out there. That's not what true love looks like. Saying you're not worth the wait or I don't trust you enough so I need to use these tactics. Our identity is love. Guys, girls, no matter what your gender, Jesus calls you to the way of the cross. He calls you to put selfishness to death. And I'm just gonna close by reading this passage again, 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you just to think about how these traits belong in your hearts so that they prepare you for a relationship. Verse four, love is patient. Love is patient. Are you being patient? Are you saying to your significant other, we don't need to do this stuff right now. We don't need to get physical because we can wait for what God has for us. Love is patient. It's saying I'm not gonna look at stuff on the computer because my wife one day that I don't even know yet, I don't even know who she is, but she is worth more to me. And so I am not going to give in to the easy way out. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you kind? Do you treat one another in relationship with respect? Do you not talk down to one another? But you give each other preference where you say, this person is so much more important than me. So I'm going to treat them with kindness. Love does not envy. Love is one where you don't look at someone else and say, oh, I wish I had them because my girlfriend, she's kind of not doing it for me. Like, I don't like her anymore. It's not envious. Love is content forever. That's what it is. It's saying I will love you when you're the oldest, wrinkliest prune in the world. I'm gonna love you so much. That's true love. Maybe don't say it that way. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's one of the main things I've hit on tonight. Love does not dishonor others. When we objectify each other, guys or girls, when we look at them as objects to lust after, we're dishonoring the image of God in other people. It's not self-seeking. I mean, what more can I say about that? It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Guys, if you're in a relationship or if you want to be one day, learn to rejoice in the truth. Learn to say to your significant other, you are loved and you are precious, not just to me, but to Jesus. And I'm gonna just pour truth on you. I am just going to go and read my Bible, and I'm going to bring it out, and I'm going to just shower you with the truth of the Lord. I am just going to tell you the great and glorious things that God has for you. Do you rejoice with the truth in your relationship, or is your relationship just self-centered? What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Not, what can I give from God to her, to Him? It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres love never fails. That's all I got. Let's pray and let's give that to the Lord.